Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hello. And our co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, we're going to take a deep dive into Netflix's Midnight Mass. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Uh, look forward to our PT episode very soon. We just haven't been able to get in the studio and record it together. We're going to try and knock that out as quick as possible. Yeah, we've all, our lives all kind of moved around the last yeah. two weeks. <laughs> Real like, crazy over the last been, The last two weeks have been interesting. Life yeah. comes at you fast. <laughs> and with all that out of the way, it's time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves it. this I'm... week. What we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time. Hector, what have you been doing this week? Oh, let's see. Let me start with the most recent thing. Um, I picked up a Game Pass game today. Uh, just heard good things about it. Heard that it went to Game Pass called Unsighted. This is... Um, a kind of like top-down uh, pixel art game, a lot like Hyperlight Drifter, if you ever played that. That's by Heart Machine. That's the same guy who has a game that is just right about to come out. Mm -hmm. um, this feels very similar to that in that it feels a little bit like NES-era Zelda, but with a lot of modern sensibilities. Uh, you can attack in combos. There's a stamina meter. You can block. You can parry. You can perfect parry. Um, but it's all that like top down so, Zelda, but better Zelda, but like Zelda in like NES Zelda, like top down overworld map, like moving in between like areas. Yeah. Like, so you go from like zone to zone yeah. or a little, little, uh, pocket of right. enemy space to other pocket of enemy space. Yeah, but, but the combat That's is the best Zeldas. Yeah. But, and the combat is actually very good. So it's been really fun so far. And the story is, um, quite interesting. It's like far future, um, area and you wake up as an android and uh you can fight but you don't remember who you are or what you're doing and you keep meeting people who are like oh my god you're alive and you're like ah i don't know my name they're like yeah sorry so you're alma and they're like uh i guess so you keep having these flashbacks and so on and so forth the humans fucked everything up and all the androids are becoming worse androids because of the humans who all died because of their fuck-ups and you have to like fix the human mistakes because all the androids are going to die. Um, there's a specific type of fuel they all have that um, it, there is no longer accessible. So every character you interact with in the game has a countdown timer on them before they run out of juice and die. And that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure because you have one too. And you just have to, and you, they give you the big, you know, fun RPG quest, you know, towards the beginning, once you finish a tutorial, you're like, okay, I got my task laid out for me. Then they're like, so here's the thing. Everyone's dying and you don't have a lot of time. Also, here's a side quest. So like <laughs> there's a lot going on. It's very, very fun. Can't recommend it enough. It's called Unsighted, which is named after what happens to an android when they run out of power. They basically become the monsters you fight in the world. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Uh, super cool. I watched Midnight Mass. We're going to talk about that later. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I've also started watching um, the new season of The Great British Bake Off. Mm -hmm. It is just as good as ever. Good. Very new cast of very compelling uh, British bakers. I can't wait to start it. Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been home. It, yeah. It's been wonderful. Started Squid Game. Haven't finished it. No spoilers. Um, it's excellent. If you haven't started it, do that. Mm-hmm. Netflix is kind of hitting it out of the park. Netflix this month. is absolutely killing it. The last, I mean, well, they needed to. They hadn't really killed it very much this year. And right here at the end, it looks like we're getting, yeah, we got Midnight Mass, we got Squid Game, which no one was aware was coming out, but we have so much stuff before the end of the year. We got more Cobra Kai coming. Mm -hmm. We got lots of stuff, more Stranger Things. Yep. Like, like, it's all right around the corner. Yep. 
Is that it for you this week? Uh, that is probably it for me okay. this week. I've been playing a lot more Overwatch lately. Uh, Tony? Oh, cool. Um, working, playing Destiny. Uh, we watched Venom. Uh, then we're going to talk about that in a second. We will. Um, there was something I, I, re- I remember that I did this week. and then I fr- Oh, Supernatural. I finished Supernatural. Nice. Oh, what yeah. you think? Yeah. How, how was the ending? How was it? Did it satisfy you? Yeah, it was. It was, it was all fun. fan service. The whole, the whole last season's fan the whole, service. Yeah, the, well, it, it remind me again, the yeah. show was run for like 3,700 seasons. <laughs> yes, right? about that. It was that. on its 15th season. Right, or right. 18th, 15th or 18th. Yeah. One of those two numbers. They're both yeah. ridiculous. When you start high. when you start reaching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> numbers of seasons, you're either doing something very right or very, very wrong. <laughs> Um, I enjoyed it. It was, it didn't, I feel like we, we didn't get the, um, respect to the beginning of the, the first couple seasons. Cause like, they really didn't show off the cabin at all. Mm-hmm. And that kind of felt like, it's like, Oh, I remember like no homage to the cabin. Right. Come on guys. <laughs> um, but overall the, the ending felt good. Um, Eric Kripke got to be the villain slash ending of two series in the same year. Nice. Mm-hmm. He, he, it was the ending of um, Lucifer. Oh, yeah. And he's God in Supernatural. So yeah, well, that's... Yeah. I mean, because there are two shows that he created. So, of yeah. course, he's going to be like, yeah, fuck you. I'm in them. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, though. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with the ending of Supernatural. Uh, over on my side of things, I finished up the latest Netflix season of The Flash. It was The Flash. I don't pay attention to those shows anymore. They are background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun for what it was. It doesn't have the emotional impact of something like Supernatural. It, it, that, like, literally yeah, see, after this much time, you're like, yeah, oh, Supernatural, my God. I had an emotional impact of. <laughs> this most recent season of The Flash, there was one episode that had had like an emotional impact, and that was the Cisco Leaves episode. But then like he's back two episodes later to help oh. out with something. And you're like, well, that blows oh. that whole thing. Yeah, I feel like it's not uh, the first time he's left either. This is, this is supposed to be his actual final appearance, but they needed him for the big bat at the end, so he just makes a show up at the very end kind of scene. Um, yeah, for me this week, I did watch all of Squid Game. Holy fucking shit. If you are not watching Squid Game, it is one of my most recommended things this year. Yeah. It's so good. Take your time with it. Enjoy it. Every episode is amazing. I've uh, been trucking through God of War on the uh, PS5. Um, holy shit, that game, absolutely fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. He's almost done, too. Yeah, I'm right at the end. I guess I guess Alan Wake's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, and the last thing for all of us to talk about is that we all did go see Venom this week. We did. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the sequel to the film that came out in 2018. Y'all, what did we think of Venom? Man, I had a lot of fun with Venom. <laughs> like, so there's, there's a lot of things you can say about this movie to dismiss it, you can use you can say all of the really pretentious film stuff like uh, there you know the the main characters lacked uh, agency or they didn't really do much over the all, overall plot of the film. Um, you could say that it's just another dumb superhero movie with another big fight scene at the end, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. I did shit on all of those opinions. I feel like that is not the case. This movie was a ton of fun. And the acting from everyone was nuanced and interesting. Um, The director of photography for the movie did an amazing job, really colored up the color palette from the original movie. Um, Andy Serkis directing did an amazing job, just like cutting the film together in a tight way. So you never felt like your time was a solid 90 minutes. It's just 90 minutes. Right. So so it's shorter than fun action movie. Yeah. Like, like Marvel never releases 90 minute movies anymore. Like they all have to be like two hours or bust these days, or Mm. maybe like just shorter two hours. This 90 minutes was crammed all the way through with stuff going on. And it was fun. It was fun the whole time. 
I, I, I love the relationship dynamic between uh, Brock and Venom and how they're basically like a dysfunctional couple slash roommates or however you want to picture that. There's definitely there's a, a literal going on. There's a I'm coming. There's, there's a literal. I was coming out of Eddie's closet scene. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, it did. Having Venom like take his like, and, and we're, I guess we're doing. It's not exactly a spoiler, hmm. but there's a scene where Venom like just decides to be his own person and take his own agency. And as much as you don't want to think about all the people he's probably killing while he's doing that, hmm. like just by taking over their bodies, I don't even mean he's like eating people's heads, yeah. which he might have been doing off screen. I have no idea. It seems like he stuck with the rules. Like, he was, during the movie, it seemed like he stuck with the did, rules. But, and I don't believe whenever he transfers to somebody, he only stays in them long enough where they won't really damage them right, for yeah, too he, much. Right, he usually leaves while they're just like, you know, vomiting and like keeling over yeah, from all probably, the alcohol. Yeah, they're alcohol and eat out and they're just, they're too fucked up. And he's like, okay, cool, hope you survive. And he just fucks off. Yeah. And generally with some medical assistance, hopefully these people survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. you would think so. But yeah, overall, my I justification would. for Venom's behavior. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to get too, too much into spoilers. Bad I think that people should see it if you liked the first one you're gonna love the second one because Mm -hmm. simply put they took all the things that we loved about the first one and said why don't we keep those elements remove the elements that people don't like and just really dial it up to 11 Mm -hmm. right you mentioned the color the the commentary the banter yeah um everybody hams it up but because everybody's hamming it up that's like making that makes it more enjoyable because it's not just like one person hamming it up. It's everybody is like at 11 basically. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's what I love so much. Cause you get like Woody Harrelson and you're like, what, what is this doing here? This feels like he's this character for no reason, but he's not like Woody Harrelson was an amazing carnage just because the actor needed to be vulnerable outside of the carnage suit to a lot of different things. And that's, that's Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. like, like to a T natural born killer, natural born killers. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And this, like, a ma- look, look at his career from Natural Born Killers to this. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, this totally fucking makes sense. Mm-hmm. I get why you're cast as this character. You are an amazing actor. I think he did a great job as yeah. Cassidy. Um, a bit more... They ch- I mean, the character was a bit not the way I imagined him in my head, but... Mm-hmm. But you also um, grew up loving Carnage. Yeah. Like, like I was always I a like Ven- Carnage I, I was, the creature, not Cassidy. Right. I, I was mm-hmm. always a Venom person. You were always a Carnage person. Um, and so definitely in those kind of situations, you always have, as somebody who loves a character a certain way... Oh, Carnage your, is fucking your, perfect. Your own interpretation yeah. of like how they are in their head, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I can say going into Venom, like that's not really how I pictured Eddie Brock, but then seeing... Yeah, he's still not. But the seeing way. them doing it, <laughs> It works for the movie. It does. I mean, I don't know what actor you could get to I maybe just look... keep punching him in the face though. Like that's the problem. Like, is that what I'm supposed to get from this Eddie Brock? Because like I really want to punch him in the face half the time. Right. So so the character just for the purposes of the movie, because not everyone can grow up really fast and like like the character doesn't experience much growth over the course of the movie, right? right? But there's a thing about having uh Tom Hardy in there is that who else can you get that fits this mold that can act with nothing but themselves against themselves in a scene over and over and over again for an entire movie? And you're entertained by it for 90 minutes. Yeah, years. and the whole time you're like, that was dope. Yeah. There's a lot He's to an amazing actor because that would, I mean, it's such a, it's a physical role because it is an action oh, so movie, physical, but yeah. then it's also this comedic other side that he has to be Jim Carrey-ish yeah. for an older and reference against a nothing audience a la The Mask. And that's like, so why Andy Serkis as the director is so perfect for yes. sure. Yeah. He knows how to work with things that aren't there. Yeah, yeah, he can take a CG character and he knows how to make them emotionally like there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Andy Serkis is absolutely perfect. Imagine we were on set and there's, there, there, remember they're in the bathroom together mm-hmm. and slamming... Uh, 
Venom this slamming like early, Eddie this around. Is the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, very, yeah. yeah you're, I'm not spoiling anything for that part of it. Um, you have Andy Serkis doing the voice of Venom on the set, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And probably a little puppet thing that he's wiggling around in yep. front of him. And you're like, yeah, we'll CGI. Like, like, I, holy shit, that has to be fucking amazing. Like, yeah. That would have been so fun to watch. Yeah. And then that uh, was the behind the scenes. Why aren't behind the scenes on... Oh, yeah, I, I, I hope we get some like on whatever service at some point because I would really Just love to see YouTube, guys. behind the scenes. But I think that was uh, the, the, the that earlier point you made was like my favorite thing about the movie is every actor. And even if you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff you can see with like Andy Serkis, with everyone on set, everyone looks like they're having a fuck ton of fun, mm-hmm. like the entire time they're making this movie, which is just, that's cool. And I think that we said this kind of about the first Venom movie, but in an age where every Marvel movie has to be so serious because it's ramping up to whatever the next Marvel movie crossover thing yeah. is, it was just so fucking nice to spend just 90 minutes in mm-hmm. a theater and it's just fucking silly and over the top and just everything is super comic booky. Mm-hmm. And it just, I walk, I had, it's one of those things that I, and I've, I've said this a couple times uh, over the course of the last year. I just had a smile on my face mm-hmm. the whole time I was watching it. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so much fun. And like the people around me were all laughing Yeah, and they were just like, this is great. And we all walked out and we were all kind of like, so we're all in agreement here. And everybody was like, yeah, wasn't a good movie. Had a great time. Mm-hmm. Like that was everybody's consensus. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, there gonna, are so yeah. many flaws in this movie that I do not care about. Yeah. yeah. Including well, my, my biggest one is uh, unnecessary girlfriend. Yeah, Shriek. Shriek was an interesting addition. I, 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 I feel I, I need you to rephrase that. Sheik Naomi Harris, who did a great job, was, was tragically underused. Yes, yes. like like her, they, her, her portrayal of the character was good, mm-hmm. great. I mean, I don't know. Everybody was kind of great in it. Yeah, because I just had so much fun watching it. Um, so whatever adjectives, and I don't feel that that character was necessary yeah. in the story. Mm-hmm. Even if her portrayal was good, was as yes. good as it could be for the limited amount of time and bit I got from she her. She was there mm-hmm. because, Hey, remember maximum carnage. Right. And the thing yeah, is, but, but like, like, you have this uh, character. I, know, I get it. I, you I, have I, a I character agree with you in the movie that has anti symbiote powers and they hardly use her at all. They hardly do anything with her at all. Yeah. They hardly give her the motivation to even like, use her powers against a symbiote. They're just always nearby and they're like, stop that. That hurts us. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like her character could have been done a lot better. With... She was done dirty. Yes. My last, the only other nitpick I have with the movie, like, like there's a lot of flaws in it, but none Carnage of them matter. Carnage eaten her the moment he actually found out she had that power. Yes. In the comic books, he'd be like, oh, oh sure. no, you make noise yeah, that hurts me. Half. You dead now. <laughs> but uh, also, like, the PG-13 rating, um, I, I would have liked it to be a little bit more violent. Like, because you, you, a lot of people die in this movie, yeah. especially because of Carnage, and it's very cool, and Carnage looks amazing. But, like, there was no blood anywhere yeah. in this movie, what? so it felt a little weird. One of the things I like about Carnage, even though it isn't blood, it isn't symbiote, whatever, he always leaves blood behind, like, with mm-hmm. the words written right. Carnage, and everything is just covered in little bits of him that just mm-hmm. leaves over. It's like dead bits of symbiote that are just falling around. That's what should have been there. Yeah, I mean, and that's how fair. you can get away with it, is saying, oh, it's not blood, it's bits of symbiote, because... Right. But it's, it's just yeah. splattered all over and everything. And it's slightly different color of red, so it's not actually blood. Right. That's how you get around the MPAA shit. I don't know. I just feel like there's things that could have sure. made it more... 
and the maybe, grossness and, of Carnage mm-hmm. wasn't there. And I feel like if we're going to get any more Carnage, then we would need that. It has to be like R rating. Like I if I make so. a Venom versus Carnage movie, like a true one, like I, I feel like that should have had like an R rating. Yeah. But this was. The family friendly version, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like know. we're complaining a lot, but honestly, like I said, we all had a good time. Wonderful, it was movie. great. Had a great time. Yeah, we, no, I fucking love the shit out yeah, of it. See yeah. it in theaters if you can. Honestly, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's everything that we've got for the prelude this week. We're gonna take a small break, and we come back. We'll be going into the news and the weekly raid. Weekly raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is the weekly radar news roundup for the week. Spooky news season continues with the announcement of a new Netflix series called The Fall of the House of Usher. Uh, Mike Flanagan of Midnight Mass and Haunting of Hill House fame will be helming it. There will be eight episodes, and each one will be based around a uh, different work of Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh. So, anthology? It's yeah. Anthology. Yep. He's gonna, he, he's, 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 he's directing Poe, half of them. Fall of House of Usher. He's directing half of them, and then one of his, like, Haunting of People is going to be directing the other half of them. Okay. I mean, yeah, that sounds good. I, I mean, yeah. there's very little that Mike Flanagan will make that I won't watch. Like, I can't imagine it yet. Not that, like, everything he makes is perfect. It's just fun. Sure. It's a good watch. Yeah. I We haven't had a good Edgar Allan Poe representation in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, mainstream, uh, mainstream wise. I mean, the last one I remember is the one the Simpsons did. I'm thinking Vincent Price era. Yeah. There was, I cannot remember the actor's name off the top of my head right now. Um, he was in so many Star Trek series. Um, he was in so many of these one-off character roles, but he always played um, Edgar Allan Poe on the grave site oh, of mm. Edgar Allan Poe when he would retell oh, okay. the t- stories of Edgar Allan Poe like at midnight in Baltimore on the oh, grave cool. site okay. with like little bit of light and like 16 people around. Right, right. This is like neat. one of the things that he did just for fucking years as an wow. ongoing thing. That's fun. Um, uh, he's been in a couple of film adaptations as Edgar Allan Poe, like shorts that he did with... Um, uh, a couple of um, HB or horror directors, okay. um, but they were they were short films. They're like thirty minute adaptations, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the closest we've gotten to any uh, Edgar Allan Poe true adaptations. Yeah, in a I, long I feel time. Like, yeah, most of his work um, seems to lend itself to that time yeah. span. I think and run length. Yeah, because this it's, they're basically all short poems or and short stories. Yeah, like there's there's not a giant novel of like like the so. I like that so. The f- my question for the panel for this is: um, Do we want all of the episodes to be period specific, or would you like them to reinterpret some of the the stories as a more modern tale? I say go nuts. I mean, if you have a really good way to adapt an Edgar Allan Poe story that we haven't seen yet, I mean, go for it. If you want to do the like scary old like houses and like dresses and whatnot, then yeah, go for it. But if you want to do like you know, eighteen hundreds Baltimore, <laughs> yeah, or like if you want to do a uh, you know a super modern like you know the Raven or something, go for that too. Like like right. do, do whatever you want. I, I say when it comes to anthology series like this, especially when the work is so old, very much in a uh, like Lovecraft sort of way, like with Lovecraft Country, make it however you want. Literally that. make it however you want because like the, the, the sky's the limit. 
We, we, yeah, we're not I really don't convention. care. The first person who complains that you put like a woman or a black person where a white man used to stand can fuck off. We don't right. worry about that shit anymore. That's true. So yeah, make it however you want. Make, make it how it makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be more interesting for me to watch. And I think that it being an anthology series, maybe changing up the you know, time range that it's taking place and might be a welcome thing. Yeah. Right. We don't have to have everything be maybe the telltale heart works best, you know, in the yeah. 1800s, but maybe something more recent, like the fall of the house of Usher probably could or actually, sorry, I'm thinking a mask of red death, mm. mask of red death. You could probably do in a modern setting very easily because yeah. it's just about rich people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean like there's, it's almost like that's topical somehow right now. Right. I would not be surprised if that's not one of them to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I'm just, excited for this mm-hmm. um more power and we are getting this in from ne- sometime between now and 10 years from now i'm guessing <laughs> i if it was announced <laughs> now i wouldn't be surprised if they weren't either already working on it or about to start working on it in time yeah. for halloween next year yeah they might just be saving it for halloween i mean flanagan's mm-hmm. really like like knocking out a like, series that's like the thing is my flanagan is like n- so on the ball with yeah. these are the things that i'm going to be working on next i can't remember if he announced anything else in between I think Midnight Mass actually. Midnight Mass and this. I think Midnight Mass was actually wrapped like two years ago, they said. Oh, I think, really? I think they actually, if I don't quote me on this, but I believe I was reading uh, Raul's Twitter and he was saying something like they wrapped doing like Bly Manor and then immediately went to go to Midnight Mass or something. Okay. So Wow, they might have wrapped it before like COVID. Yeah, and it just it wasn't ready to be released yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, let's see it's what else he got. Than his other stuff. Uh, Ryan Murphy of American Horror Story fame is working on an adaptation of a newer Stephen King story uh, for Netflix called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Uh, according to the press release, the short story's premise is uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone is the latest from a collection of novellas called If It Bleeds from Stephen King about a young boy named Craig living in a small town who befriends an older reclusive billionaire, uh, Mr. Harrigan. The two form a bond over books and an iPhone, but when the man passes away, the boy discovers that not everything is dead is gone and finds himself able to communicate f- with his friend from the grave using the iPhone that was buried with him. Hmm. Neat. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like that totally spoiled the entire plot of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the story. That's oh, how it starts. That, that so. sounds like something could starts. happen in the first uh, like ten minutes of a story. It it's could like, be the first ten minutes. I hope yeah. that's not the whole story because I mean, at least had, that's not the first. Had act, a good, right? had a good older friend. He died. Somehow, I can still talk to him. I mean, that's the first. Yeah, that's your like, two sentence horror story, right? Yeah, there. yeah. I mean, they 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 killed the wife off and up in like like two minutes. Flat. I still never finished <laughs> okay, watching. So that. I would say I would say that ten years ten years ago, me probably would kind of scoff at a story like this, only because for a very long time, technology in television shows and movies has not been represented well. Oh yeah. It's always very generic, but the shows I've been watching. Cell phones fucked up horror. Right. They, they straight they up like that's, a, if anybody wants to pay us to do a special called why did cell phones fuck up horror? Right. It's but, because we yeah, can, do, you know, do, we but, do it on Patreon. But that, we, that's, that's we're, we're a generation that grew up without cell phones. Oh yeah. Whereas, so we still know the time. Right. But now we have writers coming into this that understand technology, whether that be servers, whether that be phones, whether that be whatever. And you, I think that we're going to be hitting a turning point here where a lot of these newer writers, and yes, I know we're talking about Stephen King here, but <laughs> like we will start seeing more of this. There was yeah. um, the uh, movie Unfriended, I think it was called. Um, that takes place literally was filmed with webcams like at people's computers. Oh, yeah, it was, was actually fun. actually was really good. When horror can get technology right, great, but, you know. it does it very well. And True. this and this sounds like it's just another one of those where it's 
we're going to use technology and we're going to embrace it with our horror and we're going to make it a part of the thing. Um, also, much like on screens, whenever you're watching a movie, like anything at this point, if you see texting, it literally shows up as a thing on this, like yeah. uh, in the screen that you can just read the conversation mm-hmm. because we understand what those bubbles look like. Yeah. Inherently, you understand that this column is me, this column is someone else, yep. or this is character A, character B, and where... like. I like that we've gotten there. We don't have to like hold the pager up. Like we, we've gotten a symbol that is texting. Yeah. Hollywood did not understand technology for a very long time, which means that's why this is kind of promising to me because it feels like it's going to feel very natural. Well, I mean, it takes a long time for like society to create a symbology that we all understand through a common Mm, media. Absolutely. Uh, Love it or hate it, Riverdale is still a lot of people's guilty pleasure TV show. (laughs) It was announced this week that Kiernan Shipka will be reprising her role as Sabrina in season six of Riverdale in the fourth episode. Good. I mean, no one... Does she kill the entire cast and then it's over? Because that show needs to end. No no one could ever play... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, no one can play Sabrina ever again, aside from (laughs) Kiernan Shipka. So, yeah, I mean, put her in more things. Put Sabrina in more things because that girl needs some more work. She's a fantastic actress. Mm who had like an, an amazing sensibility with this character. Very few people in our time can absorb a character as well as she does. We're talking mm-hmm. like Margot Robbie. We're talking like Pierce Brosnan, um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. We're talking people who just like take a character and it's like, this is me. Right. Like I got this. No one will ever look at this character the same way. Right. Um, J.K. Simmons. I mean, come on. Like, like mm-hmm. yeah, this is the how I felt. he's in all universes. Yes. He's the, J. Jonah Jameson. J. Like, period. J. Jonah Jameson in every Spider-Man yeah. universe. Th- that's how I feel about Shipka in this role. Like, no one has ever come anywhere close to this. So, uh, it, Melissa Joan Hart and her, her modern work notwithstanding did a great job as Sabrina the Teenage Witch as a child ABC. on a kid's show mm. when yeah. she was a teenager and in her 20s. Mm. It's nothing compared to this. Yeah. It is absolute nothing compared to I, this. I feel like those. it's one of those roles that if you were ever around her and you were just like, hey, like turn on Sabrina real quick. Oh, and yeah. she would just boom. Yep. Like, there she is. Like, like she was like, close yeah. her eyes for a split second and just like go into it. Yeah. It, it's not her fault. The writing on that show was bad and just kept getting worse, much like Riverdale. Yep. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I love to see that, you know, peanut butter and chocolate get in there finally, mm-hmm. even though I've stopped, like, Sabrina's over and I've stopped watching Riverdale. I'm like, ah. there is a really great uh, YouTube video I watched this Start last week um, by movie. Super Eye Patch Wolf. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how Riverdale is his guilty pleasure. And he does talk about it. And he's like, this show is not good. Yeah. It, this I show is I officially stopped watching like, it but I, he's like, season. But I cannot I, I stop, stop watching, watching it. it. Yeah, like, and that's fair. I, I, I binge watched it the first four seasons. I think I stopped like at the end of season four because I was just like, what? Yeah. And like see, all of season five happened and now season six is ended. Watch is his right? video on on Riverdale and see if oh, it changes no, no, your mind. No, no, I've seen it. And yeah. it, it's all like, like he could recapping the first four seasons. I was like, yep, yep. Yep, yep. I think I've seen another video that talks about the Riverdale timeline and how it's like completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. Like none of these order of events makes any sense when you try and timeline it. And so I, I don't know. Like I have so few guilty pleasures these days that mm-hmm. like I, I do want to watch it. But every time I do, I'm just kind of like, well, everyone's really hot. <laughs> that's 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 something. Welcome to Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, about man. the actually the. At this point, if I put the show on, it has to be in it. Like, I need to, something that is so sugary, junk filled, fucking bad for you, and like just bad, honestly, at this point, so badly done mm-hmm. that I can put Riverdale on. And, but I can't anymore. I've put it on 
last week, mm-hmm. and then a couple weeks before that, I tried it again. Like I, I keep it's not, it's trying not to go back to finishing yeah. out this seat last this season, and I I yeah. hate watching this show. It I hate <laughs> sure. the actors at this point. I hate everything about. They're it. all it wonderful so human gross. beings in real life. No, no, no. Yeah, they, they, it they, is they, such a gross show. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you don't have to love it. Like I said, I that's probably mm-hmm. open with love it or hate it. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch. I, it I might throw of that it on video. in the background if it's all on Netflix now. Yep. Like that seems like a good call for me, just because I am invested. My last guilty pleasure show will probably be Grey's Anatomy on mm-hmm. my deathbed. How still episodes still coming out. You know. Yeah. Um, Riverdale fell off, but you know, I could probably pick it back up. I, I can and, picture myself putting it on my surface and like having it on the background while yeah. I'm like running new game plus on God of War. There you go. Like that seems like that's, a good call. That's a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. On the lowest volume because there's a lot of musicals that they do. <laughs> they no, do. but I love the musicals. I love the those, musicals because they're yeah. just doing them. Yeah. They're like, like they're not, they're, they're, they're just doing a musical and I know it's dumb and is, I know it doesn't further the thing the is plot. it's not a musical. A musical is we're singing a song to further the plot development because we can no longer contain our emotions. We mm-hmm. have to say what we're doing. No, they're shooting shitty music videos to a song that somebody else recorded. There are a lot of musicals that are just shitty music videos. You don't need yeah. to gatekeep musicals. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like if, when you when you do when you everyone gets together and sings when they should be acting. After watching kind of call it there. The Supergirl, Supergirl, great. After, you know, after <laughs> great ever, watching every single episode of Glee ever, um, and just, I watched now, it when it came out. Out, by the way, I was That's, fucking into that show. That you're so much older than the demographic for that show when it came out. I know. <laughs> I don't care. You know, there were really good musicals on like the world when that show came out. There, we were still having musicals at that time. Yeah, I think Sweetie Todd had just come out or something. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Anyway. Let's let's bring up the energy in the room. Uh, Disney's Wandavision is getting a spinoff series starring Katherine Hahn's Agatha Harkness. We don't know much about the series at this time, other than it's being billed as a quote dark comedy so i mean like there's no we're in agatha at night this is gonna be awesome no no this is literally like everyone was asking for this this is like usually with announcements for this there was like who wanted this this is like yeah no literally everyone who watched wandavision wanted exactly this to be fair not to it's so weird hold on not to start a fight again but i mean we all did want Sabrina and Riverdale at some point. No, you're right. Oh yeah, no, we did. Like, like that no, was definitely. A, but I like, wanted it when I was still watching the show. Yeah, no, because <laughs> so long ago they had the the box being delivered to yeah. uh, Greendale. Uh, Greendale. Yeah. What was I just remember? That was, it says H.P. Lovecraft on yep. it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're finally going to go into that plot line. We're going to introduce Sabrina. And it was just because we knew that Netflix show was going to be coming. And I was like, yeah. but no. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, to be fair, goofed. that was before Sabrina <laughs> fell into the Riverdale territory that it did. Yeah. But I, yes, I still want this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm still probably going to end up watching it. I mean, I'm going to watch, watch that episode. crossover. Yeah. It, if for nothing else, just like, it's I don't like know, maybe. watching the Muppets a, a, episode of Angel. Because I didn't I give a fuck about Angel. But I watched the episode of Angel where they all turned into fucking Muppets. It's, it I was just, funny. I just, like, like, she shows up and everyone just stands around and, like, just, I show up in the clouds as just, like, a face and hands and go, no, keeps. I want Everyone now keeps. <laughs> no, I Everyone, really, this I is want, all I want from this episode. Yes, I, want, I want that. 
But can I have beforehand her just going to everyone in Riverdale going, I'm hotter than you, I'm hotter than you, I'm hotter than you, I'm hotter. I just want her to go and solve everyone's problems. It's like, oh, Hiram Lodge, you're on fire. Oh, hey, uh, uh, here's, uh, oh, some weird, like, uh, gang. Yeah, you're all dead. Cheryl Blossom, <laughs> your brother's resurrected. Yeah, Cheryl Blossom, here's your brother. Y'all can go fuck in the corner now and leave everyone else alone. Stop running for mayor or whatever. So th that episode of What If, where Chadwick Boseman, or, real or, magic, where, where, where T'Challa was like the therapist for everybody, you just, want you, to, you just want Sabrina to show up and be like, all right, what's everybody's problems? I've got about it, uh, about 60 minutes to do this. Let's just check them off as we go. Yeah. And that's the end of Riverdale. Yeah. The show ends with everybody's so problems awesome. being solved. Fix it. I might as well, like, she just shows up and like, burns everyone. <laughs> well, the fixing it is burning a lot of the things. So, so here's the thing, and, and just to get right back into Riverdale. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> like... So my issue with Riverdale now is like my fantasy about living in a small town is very uneventful. I want to like have a good job, be a member of a strong union and like come home to a Veronica Lodge at the end of the day. And maybe we it's like good, it's good watch, to reach for the stars and maybe we like watch some TV. I don't want like someone at the high school to literally be murdering people while the gangster we just put away in jail comes out and says, uh, Miha, I own that jail. And then he's just not in jail anymore. Underground fight club for minors. Underground fight club for minors in the prison that like people who are not in the prison just participate in sometimes. Like that's just a thing. <laughs> okay. But we're all in It's agreement. a wild show. Look, if you have never watched Riverdale, honestly, just start. It's really it's a weird. show that exists. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's all what, on Netflix. Just pick it up. It's a show that what, it's the, they all like, it's a cell. It's a cell phoneless show. Notice that, like, like they, any no phones really exist except for when they can't write, out of necessary. They can't ride around a game of Dungeons and Dragons. They're not riding around phones. That's <laughs> true. They're they're demons in fucking whatever gargoyles thing it was. Uh, right. So we're all excited about I the Agatha Harkness to... series. Yes, very excited about Agatha yeah, Harkness. Thank you. Know thank what? you. Agatha Harkness is. A wonderful character portrayed wonderfully by a wonderful speaking actress of, on a different show. Speaking of a character that would awful. make an amazing cameo in Riverdale, <laughs> <laughs> so she could be like, "All of you, shut the fuck like, up." She just shows up, strangles every child, and is like, "Y'all will be dead in twenty years, and you have no children." Bye. This is what you deserve. Oh, all right, moving on. There is oh. a new documentary set to release here soon called Pennywise: The Story of It. The documentary is about the 1990 uh, miniseries. Oh. Has over 50 interviews and over 700 never-before-seen photos. The story of it is currently making the rounds at film festivals. Neat. I want to see that. Yeah, I would absolutely watch that. Yeah. That sounds great. He's got some Tim Curry before it makes me sad to see him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I mean, it would have to be because, I mean, obviously, the interviews are from, from so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about this. Uh, I was. I, I wish we had a solid date to give y'all about when it's going to be released. We don't know what platform it's going to be released on. Again, they're just finishing the film festivals right now. Which oh, wait, somebody's going to buy this. It'll I'm guessing it's going to end up on Shudder. I would hope. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. No sense. Fingers yeah. crossed it ends up on Shudder. It sounds like a documentary that they would buy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's also like whatever whatever streaming service is currently hosting the It movies might hit it really hard. Sure. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. I, it should be on Shudder. And and to, not to be discounted it, it because to be we somewhere because I want to watch it. We do mm. love. Shutter, obviously. Oh, yes. But when it comes to Halloween, Hulu really does try and compete. Yes. They put up a shit ton of Halloween Hulu content. competes for literally every, every holiday. They're yeah. a little... They're, they're, they're a bit of an underdog. over the top. They took what existed as a, like a weird thing in like the 90s mm -hmm. and into like the 2000s and blew it the 
fuck out with their we're gonna release so many bad Christmas movies mm-hmm. that you have to watch because they're so fucking ridiculously bad. Yeah. And that's a weird thing that they embraced and have just shot the wad with. <laughs> All right. Uh, Hulu's Hellraiser reboot has finally found its pinhead. Okay. Jamie Clayton, who starred in shows such as Sense8 and The L Word, has been chosen to fill the shoes of the Hell Priest. This adaptation is going to be worked on with Clive Barker, unlike other reported Hellraiser projects. Jamie will be the first woman and trans actor to play the part of Pinhead. David Bruckner, who worked on The Night House, Southbound, and some of the VHS uh, films, is going to be directing. Oh, I like Southbound. Awesome. Like, like the, yeah. Southbound I, was a really good anthology, by the it way. Was, if you yeah. want to watch a good anthology horror for Halloween, yeah, it's Southbound. Southbound, I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, or just it, look up it, Southbound. It was, it's fucking. Yeah, it was on Netflix when we originally saw it, but who knows? No, yeah, yeah, at this point, I don't know. Everything moves around. Like, Find it. It's called Southbound. It's a yep. great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Holy shit, I'm like, loving everything about this announcement. Yeah, yes. like literally everything. It's yes. very, very cool. Very interesting. I love the actor choice. I love the uh, that we're just gonna get more. You know, this is supposed to be. Pinhead. This is supposed to be. You know, the reboot. This is Clive Barker's mm-hmm. producer coming in and being like, I want to tell a modern Hellraiser with modern sensibilities, but that still scary keep shit. to this the core to the character. Clive Barker kind of did. For the original Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, I want to tell this story. And you're like, okay, well, we told this story. And it's, it's, yeah. he's well, again well, going, I have this story yeah. I want to tell. And you're like, good, new story from Clive Barker? Fuck yeah. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, like considering how hardcore it was then and how it needs to be upgraded for a modern audience, I'm mm. very curious to see what they do. I love the idea of... Uh, uh, you know, just the, the casting is so perfect for a lot of reasons. I don't even know if it's okay for me to say mm. as a non-trans myself. I just think that it's a, 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 an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a there, there's a a concept in a lot of Christian mythology, or at least a lot of heaven hell mythology, not specifically biblical, but all the other stuff that they have, where angels and demons are supposed to be rather androgynous. Mm. And I just this is perfect. Mm. It's awesome. I, I, I think it's very cool. I apologize to anyone if that's offensive. I don't know the rules. Uh, I haven't watched since eight. I've heard really good things mm-hmm. and nothing negative about anybody in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know this actress. I'm looking forward to this movie. Mm-hmm. I looked at her the Twitter for seems, like two seconds and yeah. went, Sense8, cool. you should, you should probably watch Sense8. Sense8 is very cool. First, I, watched, I started to. watching the first episode and I just, it did not catch my interest immediately. I was, it was one of those things I put on when I was tired. Yeah, that's fair. That's tired fair. things for me fall off and then I just forget they exist. Yeah, just remember it's it's the Wachowski sisters. It can take a bit to establish its world and then it like becomes very interesting. And there was really only one season for the longest time and then it started getting continuations when the community started picking up the show and being like, oh, fuck, this was great. Yeah, like, I think, why I watched, we uh, this? I think it, it was Lady Night the Brave that did an episode on it. Yes. I watched that and I went, mm-hmm. oh, I actually want to go back and watch it this It was now. a good yeah. show. Good show. All right, uh, moving on. Game Studios, Idos Montreal and their sister studio, Idos Shearbrook, um, who are working on upcoming projects like Guardians of the Galaxy, have stated that over the next few weeks, they will be transitioning all of their offices to a 32-hour, four-day work week for the sake of their developers' health and well-being. The studio head, David Anfossi, said, uh, Concretely, we want to reduce the time at work, but increase the quality of the time invested, whether it be on a team basis or for the studio as a whole. 
Individual teams will work to come up with and plan to uh, a plan to define the parameters and criteria for success with respect to work in deadlines under a 32 hour work week. One of the first moves that they're going to make is that they are going to make sure that 30 uh, that meetings are only 30 minutes um, or less in length instead of an hour. Uh, in July, Young Horses, the developer behind Bug Snacks, moved to a four-day work week as well. I'm very happy for the Canadians this affects because I wish we could get it here in America. Um, maybe these changes will start moving down the line through the company. Um, just hopefully, if once they see positive results, uh, and that's all I can hope, I hope for within the game industry itself, writing itself, going, hey, we see that this is a positive environment for a positive, like that affects our games. Um, the yeah, I, I, that's kind of what I, I want to say at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, the only thing I possibly have to say about this is, does anyone want to move to Montreal right now? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> this is this is the holy grail. This is the step forward that we need in working culture in the entire world, frankly. Um, and yeah, I'd like to live in Canada because <laughs> the, the, the idea of having this anywhere in the United States seems like a pipe dream right now. Mm. Um, I mean, fuck, we don't even have legal weed yet. Y'all, Canada's had <laughs> that for like a decade. We're in Texas. There's this a lot is, worse this problems. This is the timing. Yeah. Uh, a work day is eight hours. That's what I've been putting in. Sure. Um, would you rather me put in eight hours where I'm generally fucking off for like probably 80% of it? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. four hours or three hours, like probably three hours of like hardcore. I'm going to show up and buy pound the fuck out of doing work. Okay. So and I, I, because I, sure. I, I yeah, want to yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> I, I put a little speculation out there. And, kind of what and I know during the news, we don't do a lot of hardcore of speculation. But I'll give you the facts first, then I'll go into speculation from here. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, again, giant speculation banner. Um, they said that the way that they're going to be doing this is that on Fridays, the office is going to be closed mm -hmm. and that you're not supposed to come into the office and work. Right. I do not think that Eidos Montreal is going to deny their developers the ability to work during those times. Um, but a, an employee that would rather work that Friday from home is probably going to be putting in better work than he would be if he was forced to be in an office on a Friday. And hopefully a lot less. The thing yeah. is, if like if you come in to put in some extra work on a Friday, it's probably because you have a thing you really want to get off of your chest. Right. Because Remember, video game creators are all very creative people. No, Whether you're coding, whether you're doing art, whether you're making those some two things Some people have to kiss. be forced to take a vacation because they right. won't take one literally ever. Right. Super so so when, when, they, when someone decides, like, I really got to get this out i have to make it before i forget it before it leaves my brain i'm gonna get on my laptop for like two hours on a friday yep. and then when i'm done i turn it the fuck off and tell everyone to fuck themselves and go for a hike or a walk or yeah. a kayak Again, or the rest of my three-day fucking weekend because it's that, that, that's my life. I think that it's again, speculation on my part. I don't think they're going to say no to somebody that wants to do that, but mm -hmm. they are not making it the norm. I will tell right? you what, like the, the, the thing to do there, if we're going either way, is that there, there's two choices. There's either you can work on Fridays, wink, we really need to get this project done, or it can be like no one can work Fridays, period, fucking company policy. I'd right. say that's the better choice. Well, yeah, because you have, isn't it Supergiant, uh, the ones behind Dash? Yeah, Supergiant that literally turns off email and turns off everything all weekend long. It's like you need to request permission to work on the weekend, Yeah. period. So the way my uh, corporation works at the moment is there is a bot that all of our corporate things are installed with 
that once because it knows what your working hours are and mm. then outside of those hours outside of direct messages silences all of your all that shit nice. i love it so it just goes no you're not meant to be contacted outside of these hours Boundary. unless someone goes yeah. hey direct message or literally calls you like you can't yeah. like that's a different thing sure. but mm-hmm. uh, outside of like emails and things like that because no we, we we, we want to shut that shit out because like you don't need to be involved in that. Yeah. It's surprisingly healthy. It, it is surprisingly healthy. And I, th- I think more companies need to work at that work life balance, not just mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, maybe Fridays is the day we give everybody off, but productive hours, the hours you are the most productive is when you should be working. And most of us figure that out within yeah. ourselves within a time sure. frame. Yeah. And I get like, Hey, here's a branch, a time frame that you should be here or doing a thing. But only a certain amount of time that's when you're actually really doing anything. Right. And that's the, yeah, that's the crux of the matter is most people figure out for themselves when they're most productive, but the vast majority of the population doesn't have a job that enables them to work that way. Yeah. And, and this hopefully seems this to be, maybe this will help move the right towards that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I really hope this goes to the rest of fucking Eidos and... Yeah then passed up, up the chain. Well, it's going to go Square Enix at that point. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's going to go. Eidos Montreal, then there's Eidos, um, all the other locations. Yep. And then it has to go to... Yeah. Yeah, so. I'll tell you, give some of this shit to Final Fantasy uh, 16 and let them just make the most incredible game ever, and yep. then I'm happy. I, this, this is just a net positive for the gaming industry. It is, absolutely. Oh, um, very much we, so. we have to celebrate this the wins a, because there are so few of them. For yeah. all industry as a whole, because I don't know of any other company that's doing this. Mm-hmm. It's very true. You know, the, um, I, it, it comes down to, like, I guess this also means this, I don't know what their feel for crunch time is because they didn't really say a thing about that. I don't think they've that. about that. Yeah, but, they haven't really talked about it. I just kind of feel like if you're going to say we're only doing this, then we're also not doing crunch time stuff anymore. You, you would absolutely and hope so. I guess this is, maybe that's just an older thought. Maybe because I know so many companies still have I think it. right now right. The, 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 the mindset right now, and I cannot speak for IDOS at all, but I think the thought process is we need to get in there and start testing this so that we understand what a new modern time frame looks like for developing a game. Correct. Yes. And, so. and, it, and it's important to know that because games you have so much pressure to come out when they're not ready because you want to hit the right season, the right business cycle, the yep. right two weeks where something could really blow the fuck up and everyone gambles on that money rather than just the quality of their mm. product and people just buying it over time. Yeah. Which should be what we're going for. So hopefully this is a shift in philosophy of how we make games My favorite games game is a game that just goes with quality over time to increase player base and it's been working. So All I've got to say is I will not tell anybody at IADOS Montreal to work on Fridays if the company is giving you that time off. However, if some of you in your free time want to make the uh, final part of the Deus Ex trilogy, I would really appreciate that. Yeah. Like, That'd be pretty please, cool. Please, I'm really waiting on that, that third Honestly, one. Honestly, like, we could just move to Canada. And <laughs> French Canada. That. It's a little <laughs> harder. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on. Google Translate um, <laughs> and EarPods. They fucking do all that for me now. <laughs> the language barrier was not what I was talking about, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> on October 27th, you will no longer be able to use traditional ways such as credit cards or PayPal to buy digital content for the PS3 and Vita. Oh. Going forward, if you want PS3 or Vita games, you must use funds that you add to your PlayStation account via means such as gift cards. This uh. only targets these two platforms mm-hmm. specifically. Now, if you remember a few months Facing back, the shit out, guys. Yeah, if you remember a, a few months back, we said that Sony faced backlash after they said they were taking down the PS3, PSP, and Vita stores. Um, 
only the PSP store was taken down, but it now seems like this is a move to say like, look guys, we're, we're really going to get rid of these stores though. Like, yeah. It's just a thing that's going to happen. Uh, like you, if I were Sony, to, like, is it too much, is it too much of a dick move to be like, okay guys, you got three weeks, download everything you're going to fucking download. Nothing else is coming out. Get it while you can. If you want it after this, it's like a price per download because we're hosting this shit mm. on some godforsaken server in the middle of nowhere. Mm. I need in one of those weird island country things that doesn't really exist to just make individual Raspberry Pis so they can have the final link for these servers for people to like just like no all right i get it's dead but people can connect to this yeah you, you, you can you want to play this, this game you want to play you fucking you want to play halo one it's no longer up it's no longer servers here you connect to this raspberry pi that has a internet connection and that's fucking it mm -hmm. anybody else in the world that's your one-stop shop i feel like we need a repository for dead tech right and that's the ultimate question that's being asked here is that with the PS3 and Vita stores coming offline, yeah. technically, um, what seed what ty types of titles will be lost during this? Right. right. And yeah, I mean, there needs to be some kind of... We save art. We consider it a tragedy when art just goes away. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when it burns, when a painting burns in a house and everyone's like, oh my God, that was like, that's like a relic lost of time. We're talking about the work of like dozens, if not hundreds of people at a time sometimes. Mm -hmm. We really need a concrete way to to preserve this stuff. I mean, we need a country uh, to, to create a museum and really step up and be like, here's this digital museum. You can get these games and you can play them and you can donate to the museum. And as that's, a fan that, of, that's how this goes. As a fan of just history in general, um, obviously the more information that we can preserve, the better it is for longevity. Mm -hmm. uh, because we run into that problem. is like, well, nobody knew how to write, so we ain't got shit. Uh, let's try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. We have so many people's work for so many like, lifetimes going into these projects that a library beyond something of just like Library of Congress, which does hold sure America America's greatest works, film, written, mm -hmm. everything like that, according our weird legislation. Um, but we have though we don't have a they've just started accepting some video games. Mm -hmm. And but the thing is, like, how do they house such a thing? How, how yeah. do they allow us to continue to play it over oh, time? See, the thing is, it's, it's, and when I'm talking about like these games, it's like, no, we have the game. So, right. so, it's so in, and, and, it's this is, and, and this is the issue. If I if there's a book Much at like, the Library of Congress, I can read it. If there's a film, I can watch it. Unless I can't, in which case they need to fucking figure that shit out and digitize it or something. It's the same with all of these games. I, yeah. I, I will say this. Game preservation is important, and I would love to delve deeper into this. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that would be a topic for either it's another. It's topic. either a boss room or a Patreon-sponsored episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, no, we, 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 we don't have we, a side tangent that's, for that's, that's, it's a, <laughs> it's a deep it. dive, but it's just something to consider that when these stores do eventually go away, there will be games that will poss possibly be lost when this happens. Oh, plenty are. And How many games were lost when KB closed? That's very true. Um, if you're into the Alamo Draft House and really love you some Godzilla, well, you're in luck. In November, Toho, Toho International will be celebrating the 67th anniversary of Godzilla by releasing a 4K remaster of the OG 1954 film. Alongside that, uh, Alamo will be showing other Godzilla films, um, and the official Godzilla shop on Amazon is going to have new merch from creators such as Mondo. The film restoration... The film restoration has never been shown anywhere and will be released globally on Godzilla's birthday, November 3rd. 
Jesus Christ. My, sorry, I, I, I started snarking there because like Mondo has had some Godzilla merch they've been trying to pawn off for quite a few years at very low prices and no one's buying it. But they keep doing... I, I love that they, this company loves the Godzilla franchise so much. They just keep doing more and more art shows mm. and more and more just products to keep the fan base. I mean, I, maybe because I'm just not part of that fan base. Oh, yeah. Um, I acquaintance with one of the artists that uh, uh, for Godzilla and... He knows Godzilla. Like, hot damn. Like, okay, never question this man's knowledge about th- these fucking lizards slash moths slash whatever fucking alien. All that shit. Um, I'm happy that we're getting this. And it's a weird year for it, though. 67? Like, 67th anniversary. I think they're just finally, like, maybe they, just maybe the stars they plan to do it for 65, it. but the 4K restoration took a while. It, it might have. That's <laughs> like, the only thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, the last do. couple of years have been fuckity, so. Yeah. yeah. Why not? True at this that. Point? I, I'm happy that more Godzilla shit is going to be out there. Um, that Godzilla. Alamo, I, I just want to go watch this. In the, I've never gotten to see a Godzilla movie in the theater outside of like, the modern ones. The modern ones. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any of the classic. No, wait, I have seen the classic ones. I have never seen I've seen classic one classic one. Oh. I don't even think I've seen the original Godzilla. So, I mean, this is just a great I've seen a few of them. I'm familiar with them through, like, Cinemassacre because he yeah. did a whole Godzilla, like, thing a long time ago. Yeah. Um, oh. What? I do... But, um, uh, yeah. So, the yeah, I love Godzilla. I really like the modern ones because of how easy they are to be like, it's just monsters fighting. Just right. Shut up. Don't think too hard about it. It's yeah. monsters fighting. Sure. And, and um, I, I love that. Back when I think ADV no longer exists. Nope. Um, there was, uh, when I said I hadn't seen like all like the, the, the historical ones in theaters, uh, they did a Gamera revoiceover hmm. uh, of one of the Gamera movies. And I watched that one in theaters because it was that one of the things they did at Alamo was, you know, weird Wednesdays mm-hmm. in Houston. And they put on a lot of those movies. But since I knew people that worked at, ADV, there was also a different audio track called Gamera and Texarkana, and it was just nothing but the outtakes of... Actually, they did make a story out of the movie that was what would happen if Gamera showed up in Texarkana, and they just had everybody record these ridiculous-ass lines, (laughs) and they made like a a, kind of a shorter version of the movie. And I wish they could release this at some point, even like in, in like a leak it online kind of thing. But yeah. they couldn't because of way. Yeah, I mean, how do you get reasons. everyone to sign off? It on was that. one of the things that we got to watch like in a room. Like, okay, guys, we made a movie that we can't show you, so we're pressing play, yeah. <laughs> and it was fucking hilarious Uh. all right we got one more thing to knock out real quick the horror anthology comic series moon lake published by heavy metal uh, is going to be getting turned into an animated series quote each episode follows a different deranged set of characters in a strange new setting whether that be a ghost whispering cave woman on prehistoric earth a murderous cheerleader at a modern day high school or fighters in a bizarre alien war in space each story plays into a campy classic monster, horror, or sci-fi trope in a hilarious way. Heavy Metal Studios will be working with um, Irony Point and Bardell Entertainment, who work on Rick and Morty, to, pr- to bring this animated series to life. Awesome. Nice. Those are definitely studios that know how to do get animation the fuck out there right mm-hmm. now. Um, these stories sound cool as fuck. I, the platform right now is ripe. For getting interesting animation out there, yeah. Um, 
and the teams behind it are awesome. Last time I remember we talked about um, heavy metal was Robert Rodriguez's involvement, I believe, within the movies, though. Yes. Um, I didn't, so I was kind of wondering if he was going to be involved in this animation part. Has, but has based on the, that, it doesn't seem like Troublemaker is going to be involved, yeah. uh, which is kind of sucks. But yeah, it's okay. They're not really the an animation. The dude's studio. over there, dude, just making the fucking Mandalorian. Yeah. Right now, so yeah, it's, that's fine. He 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 had to back off rebirthing fucking heavy metal magazine. <laughs> sure. All right, that's everything that we have for the news this week. We're going to take a small break, and when we come back, we'll be getting into Midnight Mass in the Boss Room. Boss Room. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Boss Room, our main discussion for the show. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we want to take a deep dive into Mike Flanagan's new Netflix show, Midnight Mass. Now, this show is very different than his other things, such as like Oculus or Haunting of Hill House. So let's just kind of dive right into it, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, What's off the top of your head when you hear Midnight Mass? What do you think? Well, top of my head, before we start, I want to say full spoilers, right? uh, Yeah, I have to spoil the shit. Absolutely full spoilers. spoilers. Now, just so you know, is a spoiler. Now, now, just so you know, like (laughs) most of the ideas of this show are communicated very well to you in the first episode. So there's not much to spoil except for actual plot details. So if you want to watch the show, go watch it. It's only seven episodes. Then you can come back and listen to us. But yeah, we're going to tell you, like, probably literally everything that happens and then talk about whether we like that or not yeah so first anyway, initial off thoughts? the top of my head yeah um midnight did- mass as a title i i mean it's, i was raised roman catholic mm-hmm. so this Same. type of thing is very familiar to me whether all roman catholic dioceses are slightly different in the way that they approach their masses and based on the age of the priest sometimes some people still like to do things in latin sometimes and some it just mm-hmm. Every place is a it's little a bit different. Thing. It's a cultural thing, depending mm-hmm. on the area and where that priest grew up. They try. It's very similar, though. It's always like mm-hmm. the same aspects. It's you start off, dude walks down an aisle, we talk, like, like, hey, do a song, and then we do a couple readings, and then he talks for a bit, and then we all get some food, and then we get the fuck out. Oh, are you talking about communion? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so all, yeah, did Tony's mentioned. Yeah, we all get some. Oh uh, yeah, I I, um, I was raised Methodist, <laughs> but apparently the version of Methodist that I was raised is very vastly different than other versions like of Methodist. Okay. Um, our version of Methodist was very much closer to Catholicism. Right, almost like a, like an Episcopalian branch or something. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very weird. I never understood that until later in life because mm-hmm. you know we practiced all the same things that the Catholic Church did, yep. and a lot of my like Southern Methodist friends were like, "No, we don't do that here." Like that's mm-hmm. not not what we do. Yeah, uh, I was like, but no, we do all the same things that the Catholics do, with the exception. I think the only thing that we didn't have was confession. Mm-hmm. But like everything else oh, was very much the confessional. Same. Yeah, yeah. There's um, I mean that religion confessions when, are weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, when Christianity went from Catholicism and started branching out, what they were mostly doing away with, and this goes all the way back to fucking Martin Luther, they were just doing away with a lot of the ceremony that was there. Specifically to keep people in line, specifically mm-hmm. to keep people pious and penitent and afraid and like ignorant of the actual book everyone was supposed to be reading. Yeah, you weren't allowed to read the book. This was when you were trying to keep your peasants peasants. Yeah. And right. that was it. Right. So, so to say like, like a, a lot of Christianity evolved from that, whether you went Methodist or Baptist or whatever, whatever. Like I grew up. And, like, my mother was raised very Catholic. My grandmother and my mother's other sisters are still pretty Hispanic Catholic. Hispanic Catholics? That's such a cliche. I know, right? <laughs> but, like, it's true. It's all there. Like, 
Not only did my mom... Hispanic or, Catholics are actually different from the types of Catholics that, again, it's cultural very thing. Very much so. Well, I was like, very when I started learning so. about like Hispanic Catholic traditions when I came to Texas, like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it, but that's weird. It's, think <laughs> about how much closer Spanish is to Latin than English. This yeah. is why it lends itself so well. So you get a lot more Latin, and it makes a lot more sense in context um, in Spanish. But the... Uh, yeah, so there's all People of that. I was Jesus confused yeah. the shit out of me <laughs> when the first time I was like, "Your name is Jesus." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Why?" It's not. His name is Jesus. <laughs> I was very confused. Welcome like... to day one of me in my very first Spanish class in seventh grade when they said, "Pick your Spanish name." I looked at the list and said, "Angel," and then they go, "That's not how that's pronounced." And I went, "It's on yeah, hell. It's, it's on, on hell. It's, it's on hell." Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. The, the point uh, that that I was at, where I was going with this. <laughs> Sorry. We had to yeah, this is deviation. such a deviation, like right at the beginning. That's fine. Bring it in, bring it in. Bring it in. Where no. I was going with this was that my mom raised me non-denominational and I went to an evangelical, proselytizing, fucking crazy, charismatic Christian church while my grandma was still wanting me to go to her, with her to mass. Like mm. not necessarily on Sundays. That's where I spent church with my mother with the church she wanted to go to but wednesdays probably mm-hmm. um midnight oh. stuff christmas stuff for sure right um holiday stuff easter oh my god yeah 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 yeah. dude all, you got the better that. stuff from your grandma your mom's stuff was crazy <laughs> and, I know your mo- oh I- yeah because the catholic <laughs> shit isn't fucking crazy no, it's fucking batshit nuts but for me i really like the tradition of it which is something i enjoyed about this show <laughs> i <laughs> to to bring it back. So, so, thank so, you. So thank somehow, you, somehow after my like third interruption telling my story, one day I'll get to the end of it and we can begin talking again about Midnight Mass. <laughs> so anyway, so yes, and I will recognize for everyone here so that we can get rid of this point and start talking about the show. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers, Lady Knight the Brave, has done very amazing episodes on Flanagan's other work. One that was very, very good on The Haunting in Hill House, and one that was even even better, like say much better on The on the Haunting of Bly Manor. She had, Bly, or she had Flanagan on for that. that yeah, and she had Flanagan on show. for that and did an interview with him that was supplemental to the original video and was also like an hour long interview like Mm -hmm. it was phenomenal great stuff and she announced on twitter which made me very sad but also take care of yourself and i love you um that you would not be doing midnight mass for the specific reason that it hits too close to home because of the more religious stuff Mm -hmm. and i absolutely get that that's where i was going with this a lot of people if you like mike flanagan's other work Especially if you only have the Netflix shows to draw on, it's all about ghosts and hauntings and the nature of a ghost and what it means to be, you know, left over in the afterlife. It's mm-hmm. very, that one line from WandaVision, you know, good grief, love persevering. That's what grief is. That mm-hmm. could be what ghosts are. It's very touching. And while Hill House was fucking frightening and while Bly Manor was more kind of philosophical and touching, this is different in that it's not necessarily spooky and really hits the scary parts of religion as hard as they can, and that's going to disturb a lot of people. I actually thought Tony would completely bounce off the show because of this, because in the past we've heard that you do not enjoy religious horror. Uh, generally, uh, I don't like religious horror because there's a ghost that's left behind and these walls are melting or something ridiculous. Okay. I don't find this premise it's, ridiculous. It's not, it's, not, it's not the premise of, like, everyone's going to follow this asshole who's killing them. I think specifically... Because that, to me, is what makes religious okay. horror oh, scary. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no, this is great because it's... I'm getting religious horror... I don't like... It's not that I don't like religious horror. Mm-hmm. I don't like 
horror movies based around religious premise because they can't figure out oh. a way to make intelligent stories. I, I see what you mean. And that makes specifically I love exorcism movies. He does not. Right. Because I, my brain goes, that's not real. That's dumb. You're right. telling so, a dumb story. I, I see what you're saying. Cause in an exorcism movie, there's a very clear outline of this is our mythology in the book. Everyone's reading about how to deal with the demon. So yeah. it's like, we have like, no one's doing the thing. Like we have, we have the thing. If you're gonna show me a cool exorcism movie, I want to see you exercising something from someone from someone's mythology that isn't fucking Catholic. Yeah. Right. Or even if they do it, may, maybe do it with a little more flair, like Constantine, Keanu sure. Reeves, Constantine. Yeah, that was because they're, you're like you're basically saying Constantine was say, uh, again much like what we watched, kind of mm -hmm. saying fuck you to the religion. Exactly. And not taking it on its face, but more of a like. That's the problem when you have exorcism movies. It's very mm -hmm. much we've got to have Jesus ghosts, all this demology, all this oppression, all this angst put on you. And I'm like, dude, fuck that. No, that's one of the problems with every religion's fucking problem I have with. And one of the things I actually like the ending of this show for. Mm, okay. Because at the yes. end, it was about a woman who used the word of the Bible in, to contrive her story to get people to do what she wanted versus, well, the guy that tried to get everybody able to do what he wanted, uh, but family was more important. The true mm. word of being a... a, a tr uh, the church's doors are always open no matter what right no that's what matters we might be getting ahead of ourselves we have yes ahead of ourselves. I, I jumped ahead yeah but that's one of the things that i jumped to the ending because i liked yes. the ending i mm -hmm. really did like the ending this biblical massacre <laughs> that occurred <laughs> so let's talk about the sheriff for a minute yeah i think that's really important because this is a show that is at its very core about religion i would say the two things that it comes uh if I, if I had to pick three show points, mm -hmm. there is the AA story. Yes. Right? The uh, recovering alcoholism story. Mm -hmm. uh, there is the faith story. Yep. And then there is the sheriff story, which isn't of itself a faith story, but is also a story about somebody of a different religious background being in a small town. And not being accepted. Mm -hmm. But nobody will admit they don't accept him for his religious practices. Right. Right. This is that this is that post 9-11 world that we're in mm. where you say, no, I don't hate you because of your skin color or religion. But secretly, that's actually the reason that I hate you. Right. Mm -hmm. There's this really amazing scene in the show where they talk about. Uh, so uh, we're sorry we haven't recapped it yet. There, the, 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 <laughs> the show takes place on an island. At one point, they specify that the island is about 30 miles to, to the nearest land. 127 people. 127 people on this island, one church, and that there's a big storm coming and that they used to all gather at the church for safety because it was the strongest building. Now there's a rec center uh, that was built by the church. So when they're talking to the sheriff who is Muslim, who has a child the same way, and they're like, well, you know, it, it, the storm coming, if you want to take a boat to the mainland, there's a mosque there. But of course you're welcome in the church if that's palatable to you. There's a very wonderful character in this show, and I, I'm missing her, the actress's name. She did a long stint on Grey's Anatomy, and she plays the um, basically the antagonist in this. Oh, if you Samantha. God, I can't remember her last name, but yeah, yeah her first name's Samantha. Yeah, yeah, and she's Samantha, wonderful. I hate Samantha she so does, much. She does the best <laughs> holier-than-thou, like nun asshole that I've seen she's since like a sister act. That's what fucking pisses me off. She's not actually a nun. No, she's, she's not wearing any of the hat yeah, or no, anything. She's a, she's a devout follower who's 
given her life over to this one specific church. Mm-hmm. And oh, do those people drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> right, because they think they own the place. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the opposite of what a church is supposed right. to be. But yeah, so... If you've ever been part of the Catholic Church, you mm-hmm. go to one and there's always like this one person who's been there working there for mm-hmm. like 50 fucking years and they're kind of a dick and you're just like, oh, yeah, you're everything wrong with so, this place. So, so they did a very yeah. good job with that character. <laughs> but yeah, so coming back to the original point of the the one fish out of water character we get in this who didn't grow up on the island and he's there based on... You know, uh, circumstances that he doesn't really enjoy, but he's there because it's the best job for him at the time. And he's there with his son and he's raising his son Muslim as well. And his son notices the miracles in air quotes. I'm making air quotes radio um, at the, that are happening at the church. And this is all, of course, due to the actual fucking vampirism happening mm. with at the church is. Uh, but but this was one of the most compelling parts of the story to me because what do you do in the face of miracles and what do you do in the face of a family member who was convinced by them when you know it's all something else or it's all horseshit or it really needs to be looked at mm-hmm. this is ivermectin all over again what do you do when you know you have someone who you love going off the rails because they see something that they find genuinely compelling mm-hmm. this was by far my favorite plot point in the entire story there's an excellent point in the show where the miracles... So I'm going to do a really quick uh, synopsis of the, of the okay, plot. go for it. Um, but seriously, go watch it. Um, we have you know people show up to an island. Um, miracles start happening on the island. Everybody's just like, oh my God, the actual God is making miracles. Turns out is vampire. Um, bad things happen. Yes. Now, over the course of this, it a lot of deeper concepts get explored. Mm-hmm. And one of those is when the miracles start to happen... Mm-hmm. And the, and the sheriff, who has been enduring a lot of racism by this basically all-white town. Oh, there's like a couple white. other people that are not white on the island, but basically everyone on the island's white. Yeah. There's, um, there's, when, there's one shot in, I think, episode six that pans backwards down the church's aisle. And there is a person, I don't know the actor because he's not in the show at all. Yeah. He's just a background person. Very dark skin with black hair. He's <laughs> in the front. Literally the dead, like the first cue first seat and mm-hmm. i was like really how are you not part of this story person <laughs> right. who's also dark-skinned and other dark-skinned person is on the ground in pain because demon angel right <laughs> so there's a very fascinating scene that happens that when the miracles begin to occur within the city people being de-aged people being able to walk when they couldn't before mm-hmm. see when they um, couldn't without yes, glasses yes. all of these things start to happen everybody becomes their youngest bestest self except yeah. for your hair um, a, and so in that, there is a discussion that happens essentially at the PTO meeting, mm-hmm. right, for the for the island. And so our sheriff, who is Muslim, comes in and says, like, all right, you guys are starting to preach, like, the, the Bible in school, and yes. I, I have a problem with that. Correct. And they're like, well, it's because you're fucking Muslim, and your God says you can't do that. And he actually, one of the few really good monologues in this mm-hmm. um series was him going so maybe let me explain what our religion is to you because yeah. i don't think any and this is like a direct message to like white people yeah, of like the literally world. hey it's for all the white people in the back watching Here, this on netflix <laughs> yeah. here's 
here's what Muslims think about Jesus. You might be surprised. <laughs> yeah. And it's a very fascinating scene. I remember reading Twitter posts after I watched Midnight Mass of people going, you know, I actually ordered a, a copy of the Quran after I watched this Good. because like I had no idea that like their their values and and, pro, and and religious thoughts were the same as I held growing up. I want to open up my mind a little bit and see what they have to say about the whole thing. I can't yeah. wait till they start studying history, realizing how all these different things interrelate. That's, it's it's right. crazy I, I understand, times. But like, but that's oh. a that's a big deal, right? Like that's it really that's, is. No, that's, yeah, that's, I'm that, very that's, happy that these things are changing. That's literally what you want when you make fucking, a story like this. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise you get when you, when you have such a bigoted character. Uh, front and center through the whole mm. story and having been raised Roman Catholic I've known those people I have been around those people and they make me hate or one of the reasons right. why I realized so, there is no God right, to, just to describe what happens in this scene is they he objects to them teaching about miracles and strictly just the Bible in school and they give him a counterpoint. He educates them on his point of view. They say, oh my gosh, thank you. I didn't know that. And then completely ignore everything he said and carry on about their business because right. that's most people's reaction to shit like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to say most white people's reaction to shit <laughs> like that, but that's definitely how it's played here because at the end of the scene, you can see him like understanding that people are listening to him and he did tell them things they didn't know and then just completely get shut down mm -hmm. and he just gets really quiet and and and, and, and obviously very angry anger. and he's just like okay so i don't know why the fuck i said i mean anything. rose performance the entire show is just oh immaculate wonderful and i wish they would have held actually longer on him at that for like before the to show that disrespect in his face. There's just like, mm. I'm doing the best I can. Right. And he has he's to... so good in this Yes. And well, show. think about he is, the dynamic. He is, he is the internet daddy right now. Yeah. Well, think about the dynamic that he's playing. He is a minority with great power. That means very little in a small place with no one around that looks anything like him. Like it, it, by all rights, by all rights, he could probably shoot anyone in the town and then get away with it just by being the ostensibly the only cop on the island. Then again, like he can't speak up at a PTA meeting. Right. Like, like there, there's a lot going on here and it's, it's nuanced. There, there was a moment in the very first episode where yeah. they call out uh, the sheriff's son who I cannot remember at the time. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but they... They, There's only like seventy five characters. They, they in call this him. Show. They call him Aladdin. They, yeah, they do. Yeah, and yeah. and I at that point, like I was watching that scene. I'm like, is that actually a, a racial slur that people use? Yes, it is. Oh, a thousand percent, yeah. it is. Like it absolutely okay, yes. is a racial when, when, slur. When, when, like yes. people use. I was like, holy shit, fucking. It, it'd be like calling the Mexican kid coming up the road in his bike Speedy Gonzalez. It's the right. same shit, right? It, like, like that's the idea. Or, or calling him Pedro when his name's not that. Right. You know, it's, it's thank that, you, that, Hector, that, for pointing this out, not us. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly this is exactly what we're getting. In fact, when I heard that line and I saw the island because this happens very early in the first episode mm -hmm. I literally thought to myself oh what year is it like in the show right. yep. not now I was like oh what year is it in the show and I was right. like oh it's modern yep that scans right. like I thought well maybe it's the 1980s and it's like no it's now and I'm like yeah that's fine too yeah. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, no, what we're dealing with the use of language refining racism actually helps you define timelines mm -hmm. and I I love the monologue that he gives during the um 
the uh, PTA school, school meeting, the mm-hmm. PTA meeting thing uh, before the storm. But his later monologue, um, I think, is more important. Um, the one about his uh, post 9-11 world? Yeah, his post 9-11 world. I'm jumping ahead and again in the story. Like, yeah. So so Raul gives a, <laughs> a, a lot of good monologues a, a in great, this show. This is a lot of monologues in this. Um, he gives one where he is asked towards the end of the the series, um, "Why won't you intervene?" Mm-hmm. And Raul tells the story of what it was like to be Muslim in America as nine eleven happened. Mm-hmm. Um, what people thought about him that he tried to join the police force to combat. Um, people's in what people's yeah, thoughts yeah. about being Muslim. I'm, is. Like, I'm going to set the example for yeah. my people so everyone can see. Yeah. And we're just like you ultimately found out at the end of it, that he was basically just on a list on a task force specifically designed to infiltrate and try and find people that were possible quote unquote terrorists. Right. Wasn't, and, wasn't it a vice that did a thing about uh, with sheiks going into the U S military mm-hmm. because of the same thing like it, yeah. or for, not the same thing for their yes. religious reasons yeah, right. on and, and, their beliefs on why yeah. country and yes and, and to to a much larger to a much larger extent America always reacts this way to shit like this it's Japanese internment all over again these were American citizens but we're like oh you look like some people we're fighting we better fucking keep an eye on you it's yeah. it's horseshit yeah. it, if you if you're from a melting pot everyone who's from here is from here. Yeah. Like, like, please stop your shit, America as a whole. I know you're all listening right now. <laughs> all of America is listening. Right I've now. been rewatching um, The Expanse, and re- that show is almost closer to getting everybody to beige. Yeah. It's it's closer. <laughs> that's the idea. That's literally <laughs> the idea. Like, like when Mars is Texas and they're mostly Samoan, you know we've blended the cultures. Yeah. <laughs> so we've gone into some of the things that we like and don't like about it. Um as a whole, one of the things we haven't talked about is that at the end of the day, this is a vampire horror story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the vampire is actually the minor character of this. Correct. And remember, this they is, never say is, the word vampire this is, in this, this show. This is oh, less about... I'm guessing they never knew what vampires were. No. Because they... They were so similar to like no, they drinking the no, no, blood no, no. No, they and stuff. Like, they no, they, they don't say the word vampire because yeah. in, the, but, in the show it's introduced it. as an angel. Right. Yeah. But but, but no, that's the idea. No, there's an entire scene that happens in the show where they are talking about it just post watching the blood explode mm-hmm. that they go they don't say the word vampire, but it cuts to like mid conversation and she's like, Right, so all the myths probably exist for a reason and this is probably why like we have the myth about garlic and the myth about this. Like they do address yeah. it without ever saying the word vampire. They, they do. They even address the actual physical right. thing that people have with uh, the ability to, or uh, the yeah, inability right. to have sunlight. Yep. And right. well, what they don't want to do is they don't want to. They, they don't want to misdirect the horror because if as soon as you say vampire, everyone's thinking Dracula and you know sparklies and everything, all the other baggage that and vampire comes with mythology. in the modern day. When you say angel, then it can be a weird vampire-like creature. But is this real? If, if this is the only supernatural thing we have in the show, then maybe we're just wrong about all of it. And that is pretty smart writing as far as I'm concerned when it comes to a bad thing because the worst thing you can do is explain it too much. And right. the, all you have to do is ex- oh, to explain um, a bad guy too much is call them a to, vampire. To correct one of my thoughts uh, for the show, um, he talked a lot about the different covenants that of the, the, Catholic, of the church mm-hmm. and how they have to evolve over time. I wasn't thinking about that whenever I talk, whenever angels are described because... Old Testament angels, which are the only ones that are actually really ever described at all, are fucking horrific, terrifying. Everyone's scared. 
There seven everywhere. wings, which are made of nothing but eyes and a head that is a goat and a man mm-hmm. and a lion and yep. with a body of a human. Yeah, they were this literally just one. That's just one description. No, no, the people then, writing this were throwing spaghetti at the wall, going, "What's yeah, scary?" No, they were literally. Weirdly, Ava has the best interpretation oh, uh, of angels. Imagine really this: does. the people that were writing this were taking hallucinogens and didn't know what the fuck they were talking yeah, about because yeah. they were seeing some weird yeah, shit. Don't forget, with <laughs> angels, the, the the wings are on the head. They're, they're yeah. not on the back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, there's, a, there's a sphere, an interlocking three-ring sphere of eyes that is an angel. Yep. yep. Evangelion. It's all in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. what they we do is we have a show which technically, <laughs> if you break it down to its simplest parts, is a vampire shows up on an island, shit breaks loose. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like... 90% of what I remember about Midnight Mass is not about the fucking vampire. No, it not is at all. all of the interpersonal relationships that were built over the course of seven episodes. Mm-hmm. It's all about what their trials and tribulations were. It's about people who are lacking faith, finding faith, people who are obsessed with faith, realizing maybe like they interpret faith incorrectly. It was a human story first and a vampire story second. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Kind of like all of Flanagan's work does seem to bend that way where like the scary thing isn't necessarily what we're going for. And when I'm thinking about it now while you were just saying what you said is when I think about this show, now that I've watched it, I flash back to very specific monologues that I found myself enamored with while I was watching them. And then I realized the same was true for Bly Manor. And then I realized by far the same was true for Haunting of Hill House. Now, I remember all the scares from Haunting of Hill House. But what I remember most were the people just talking to each other, trying to explain the way they were feeling. And that happens a lot more in Bly Manor. And in this show, I could easily and without it being much of a stretch, say they took it too far. So Flanagan, in the fir- in in his first Netflix series, they gave him all the money because Hill House was going to be a hit, and he did long wonders and a lot of walk and talks and a big, amazing, broad Ibnagian set. That was just fucking. The manner- if you've never seen the behind the scenes of the. Uh, one episode take. Yeah. Oh yeah! Please oh, my watch God. it. Yeah! Holy and, crap! And that episode will go down in history as one of my favorite behind the scenes. As yeah. one of my favorite episodes of anything ever made yep. is that sixth episode of Haunting of Hill House. That's like four oneers. It's like four. It's an hour long episode with four shots. That's how often they cut. They yep. cut literally four times. It's insane. Three times. It's insane. Um, and, and that was amazing. And Flanagan was absolutely stretching all of his, like, and he said, I will never do that again. After yeah. That. All of his crescendo. <laughs> and it was, it was it, it, to me, it's like his opus until he tops it. Um, and this is what I remember about the first show the most is they love their wonders. They love to follow people all throughout the massive set all throughout wherever they were and just focus on characters, either being scared or being determined or being, sad in it all at once so that you could spend time with a character in the space blind manner they couldn't really do this as much because mm. they were given a very different directive a very different timetable and a very different budget but the show still came out well and they still did the monologues without the oneers this show brought back both 
And like I said, it could have gone a little too far. When I'm talking about like slow pushing like monologues with like long takes, they do it almost like twice an episode. Mm-hmm. And I, sometimes, sometimes when a lot more yeah, than that. <laughs> and, and sometimes when they're doing it, I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Is again. he just relying on his own old tricks again? Maybe, but sometimes when they're doing it, I cannot stop listening. Mm-hmm. The there's a conversation that I've found when I got on Twitter. A lot of people weren't really into where two characters discuss what they think happens when they die, mm-hmm. and I watched it all the way through, and I rewound it and watched it again. Mm-hmm. And I rewound it and watched it again because it was just like these two characters bouncing off of each mm. other while talking openly and honestly about how they different, how they differentiate and how neither of them is right because no one fucking knows and how they think what they think. Like, I, I could not get that conversation out of my head then. And I thought about it while I was trying to go to sleep that night and I'm still thinking well, about the show it now. Answers it. The show answers that conversation with by the ending. Whenever she has the conversation with her rip or her throat ripped open and she's talking about her own death by remembering it because the DMT experience, which is what this this is not uh, this is not what I'm going for. Oh, at I'm all. just saying it's like, but it it they no, re- no, 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 no. Okay, it's not about what the show thinks happens when you die. I don't give a fuck. The idea is these two people who don't know what happens when they die having a conversation about it peacefully, honestly, in a loving manner. This never happened. This never it. happens. It's not a thing that happens right. in real life. And it was beautiful in a way. Maybe it's just because I wish no, I got a lot of alcohol. Generally. I, I, I wish I could always. Ha- yeah. And the alcohol conversations are bad. They're yeah. always bad. Yeah. Bro, bro, bro. I yeah, love you. Like, I, I love you, bro. Song played, yeah, yeah. I want this song played no, 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 at my no. fucking funeral. I, I'm, yeah. I don't care what yeah, the no. show decides they think happens when you die. It's th- this moment was to me the moment that stands out the most in the show. It's what I will remember this show for the way I remember the groundskeepers monologue about how they don't come here at night. And you know, the dad being like, Oh, well that's a little silly and superstition. And he's like, let me fucking tell you a story. And 15 minutes later, the camera's here in his face and you're like, this yeah. fucking house, get out. And like, that was a wonderful, wonderful monologue. Mm-hmm. And this to me felt like that. The thing that I could watch by itself, the thing that I could show to somebody and be like, if you don't, even even if you don't like the show, just take this away from it. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll get the gist. It's instead of a single sentence horror or anything, it's a single character horror. Yes, exactly. It's just this, a single, like going down a single Terry path to explore this one horrific thought mm-hmm. and then how it can branch into the rest yes. of the story. I liked how all of those interacted in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Because there's a lot of those different elements or that mm-hmm. same branching. He writes yeah. those same characters in a similar way. And I really enjoyed how most of the town kind of fell into this Stephen Kingish. Um, we're all just going to follow the, yeah, the Lord's it, way right? yeah. and follow whoever's the loudest person. Yeah. And uh, that, while annoying as shit to me as a as an individual, unfortunately, very yeah. true to life. <laughs> it's very true to life. Yeah. And I did very much appreciate. Mike Flanagan's showing of the intricacies of Catholicism mm-hmm. because as a altar boy, mm-hmm. um, while I don't remember a lot of the 
individual terms that I never like learned those because mm-hmm. it wasn't like this is what it is. It's like no, I just know how to fucking put like great. I know. Like, how yeah, to, you got to fill the wine thing. You got to do. I know the where stuff. the I know where the wine's at. I know where the fucking coals are for this part. I hate fucking this in- smell of incense. It's myrrh, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't hate the name of it. I don't want to know the name of it because I fucking hate the smell of it. And you made me carry it around a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you spraying water on people through this little fucking baby rattle? It's funny. <laughs> and then you go in under now. A lot of these churches also have basements, and then you go underneath where they hide all the fucking Christmas shit or the other saints, and uh-huh. it's fucking creepy as shit because it's these human people just hiding in the darkness, and there's no fucking electricity. Yeah. The underneath of basements isn't just where other bad things happen. It's also <laughs> where statues live. Right. Yeah. So uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, absolutely. To, to extrapolate on that point, all of the Catholic... When they do mass in this show... They do fucking mass. Yeah, it's not mass. like a few lines that everyone lets pray and they cut away to after church. Like they do mass. I, mean, I was actually confused when they showed it out of order, and I'm like, you, you, "This is not okay." You, no, you're doing it wrong. Right. It took, so, <laughs> that, like the, the story is told the way the yeah, story, the story is, told. is told. But if we, as a Catholic, my brain just couldn't stop. Right. You know? But like, like it was so like, like, like they did, they did the calls, they did the. The stand up and sit down. They did like, uh, uh, like it was did you just, sing at any point during the show? Oh yeah, a few times. I know Me the too. songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like singing this. I was like at one point because James watched it before mm-hmm. I did because I just finished watching it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you were watching it and I was sitting in the other room, not really doing anything, mm-hmm. and I heard one of the songs and I just started like singing along. I was like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> yep. Why? Why? It, it literally it's, it happens very all the time. Confused as a person to why I just started singing right. a fucking yeah. song from my childhood in yeah. Catholic school. No, so <laughs> we've gone yeah. over a lot of stuff that we like about the show. I we need to start kind of winding down a little bit. Is there anything? Uh, anything off the top of your head that you just like watched it and you were like, I didn't like that about it? Uh. So yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, I figured we were going to come to that point. This show is mostly just push-ins and monologues. It's and not a lot. There is not a lot of. Um, whenever you, uh, we talked about like the haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. and Bly Manor, mm-hmm. those are named places. Those mm-hmm. are places. Um, Oculus, the house is part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the house was always the island is never never feels like home. But the priest, vampire, mm-hmm. uh, the monsignor is. That island never feels like a true entity true. At, to where these people live. Mm-hmm. It talks like some place that they've just. It talks just like it feels like purgatory, mm-hmm. and not like some place that anybody would want to make better. Right. And I get that that's part of the. He's like, we well, need to make it better because it's purgatory. And I'm like, yeah, but also this is like dying America. No, mm-hmm. like it, it, just, it took a lot to convince me that this is something that needed to be saved. Mm-hmm. And watching. Sp- a demented man's brain bring a demon over from and honestly my favorite part of it the mythology of the Saul and Paul going into the death like I was like fuck yes biblical mythology is ridiculous because these stories are the same thing as watching fucking Star Lord go into fucking a room yeah, and get, grab a fucking uh, tesseract or some bullshit it's the same ridiculous ass bullshit just they were on mushrooms back then and we were on mushrooms now. <laughs> like, so there you go. Um, I, I kind of lost my tangent there for a second. So I was hoping <laughs> one of y'all would pick that up. <laughs> so what did I not like about the show? I think my least favorite part of the show was actually the vampire, not the plot, not his place in the story. The, the angel. 
the angel, mm-hmm. not even like, like earlier you called him a demon. And in this mythology, he is just an angel. It's like, it's just an angel. As far as anyone knows, no one knows what it is. He found it in a cave in like Jerusalem. Right. So like yep. we, no one has any idea what it is. It was, um, we, the only thing based on that we have that was where he was headed mm-hmm. in. He went out to a cave from the wailing wall. Mm. With his dementia. Yes, and he and, wandered. And he wandered, and then we have this religious text which also talks about a dude wandering around. Yeah. Um, if you look anywhere on this map, there's a good, like, 30 miles of nothing around there. So, like, have fun. Right. <laughs> so, and what it was for me was that the character never struck me as scary, and it never struck me as conscience uh, like the monster was never oh, the you went to, about, oh I'm sorry I just went to the, like the land but like the monster itself like mm-hmm. the how it felt about the what it was doing no no just how it felt to me watching it okay. it it didn't feel like it had a purpose it didn't feel like it knew that it was even where it was it was and, and, and they really were they, 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 they really they really rely on this in the story especially towards the end where he can't be bothered to defend himself while he's drinking from somebody right. and it's because like it's like i'm fucking busy and this damage doesn't matter because i will heal mm. like fuck off and there's i don't know it just what creature felt... wouldn't have dealt with fucking swords at some point so there was it was just so non-threatening and my maybe my favorite and also least favorite part of the entire show was literally the last line of the show um and it's because we've gone through this whole thing. We've know we know that the blood heals. We know that it, the priest has been dosing them with it in communion for the entire show, and that's why everyone's getting better. And that towards the end, everyone's just kind of fine with this like eight foot tall winged thing, like just eating people, like mm-hmm. just right around them. I'm- and we get to the climax of the show we know that everything is going wrong and we have this girl who was in a wheelchair when we started the story um escaping the island because of all the fucking horrible mayhem happening around her and she looks to her friend the only other survivor on the island and says the boy who's madly in love with her yeah (laughs) she just says to him even though she's been able to walk since she drank the blood i can't feel my legs and so we get so much information from this and so much of the story starts to like congeal and like solidify that we're like, okay, look, this is a good ending. But at the same time, it's also like, but what the fuck though? There was um, multiple moments where he said, I can, whenever, um, uh, alcoholic, uh, who was Riley, uh, Riley was Mm -hmm. the first one to become a vampire after him. Um, that he said he could feel his death. Mm-hmm. That whenever she can no longer feel like it, it they are interrelated. The powers mm-hmm. are given, but the problem with that is we only know where the evolutionary goes up to the priest, not the winged creature, which I cannot. I mean, the angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so winged creature fucked off and could be in the ocean because it's got to go thirty miles. There's a bunch of holes ripped in his wings. Could dive into the ocean. Or he's the reason why she can't feel his legs. One of them two dying is a reason why. Right. And it takes to, is it the priest the reason why? Because that was his blood? Or is it vampire, I'm sorry, um, angel bat dude who um, rip wings were ripped open is dead is why she can't. Just to add a layer. Established the. Just to add a layer on top of all of that. 
As we know very well in mythology, I mean, like vampires are very bad at so. crossing bodies of water. Yes. Um, in <laughs> fact, generally, they shouldn't. They um, shouldn't and cannot and yeah. will die if they try. Yeah. Yes. So, like, <laughs> that was one of the things I really did appreciate about this uh, show. I mm. call it a movie because I kind of just... It was like three days where I just kind of was like, this is what I did for the end of my night. And it was yeah. fucking yeah. wonderful. Yeah, it, it was, was wonderful. Um, the... And just at a couple hours at a time, if I had to say. Oh, yeah. yeah no, no, I only I, I watched never... the first three episodes mm-hmm. yeah. and then, like, two episodes and then, like, yeah, don't, two don't, episodes don't or whatever. Like, yeah, no, it's, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a binger. Yeah, I, I, I did it in... You mean you can't. I did fun. it in three sittings and, um, like, the first four episodes in the first sitting it. was... Don't force it, though. It's like anal. Do not force this show. Like, it's just not going to be good if you force it. There's no... Don't ever force anal. So exactly. as we kind of start to wind the show down, I know that we've talked about pros and cons scenes that we liked scenes that we didn't like. Um, I, I want final thoughts. I need final thoughts. Like if you think about the series, the seven episodes as a whole, like did you I enjoy would your really time? wish Mike Flanagan would get past his, uh, I'm really scared of my Catholic, my Catholic background and that I'm an alcoholic and I'm afraid of death. Because that's kind of all I've gotten out of his stories, but I really like those stories. But this one just didn't feel as cool as the other ones. Okay, I mean that's like a very sh- it's like, like sure. literally that's the yeah. ball. No, 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 no that's, that's all it. my thoughts. I know I'm I'm gonna meet you right there. Look, as far as this show goes, I had a wonderful time watching it. I think there are things of value in there for. Anyone who likes horror, anyone who grew up religious because it's not very scary, I could show this to my mother and she probably wouldn't be very frightened. She might be a little offended. I probably hope she not. laughs at the same thing with the, cat with the, oh, the yes, robes being wrong. I was just like, that's... that's. But, 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 in, but not frightened. Maybe a little offended, but not frightened. There's a lot of value here and I really enjoyed watching it. That being said, of the Netflix series and even going back to things like Oculus, this might be my least favorite of all of his stuff. Really? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Because against the grain and this isn't me tipping my fedora it's not like I like it and because other people don't but Bly Manor is my favorite okay I could see and, that. but I love Hill House and I, the Hill House is the one I watch the most but Bly Manor is definitely my favorite sure I think for me when I talk about Midnight Mass um, one of the things that came up in group chat when I asked my, my opinion about it was I said that I feel like it competes on the same level as Haunting of Hill House and that's only because Bly Manor is such a different Beast. I don't mm-hmm. consider it in the same category. Agreed. Um, it definitely was not as frightening as his other works, but I think the part that was scariest about Midnight Mass was never meant to be the monster. Mm. It was the people of the island. Yeah, the scariest person in the show is the angry not nun lady. Yeah, yeah. No, um, also, she, give her all the awards. Oh yes, because oh, if you want to give it oh. an award for people you love to fucking hate, she fucking nailed it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, uh, just it, it, then so, someone in chat is bringing up a very good point. If you're at all sensitive to animal harm, um, I mean earmuffs uh, for 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 a lot of this. Type Mike of Flanagan stuff. has a problem with cats, and I need to have quite. I need well, to kill the dog to, in the second episode. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there, a lot of animals die in this for a lot of different reasons. It's not mean spirited. He doesn't want to like burn the mm-hmm. fucking just, just you know ASPCA or anything like that. It's just. That one it's dog. It's just part of the story because horror means yeah. things die around you. Sometimes and, birds yeah. need to die in a flock because <laughs> of reasons, yeah. because of story of I don't know. Usually, every because of biblical, biblical story is fucking ridiculous shit. about that shit, and I very much appreciate him taking rid- 
the ridiculous biblical approach to the death of everything in this, mm-hmm. I kind of wish there weren't so many monologues in it okay. because if you cut down that time frame, you maybe make it uh, an episode or two tighter and some it would feel a little bit say, more actiony and a little bit more on there and you can still get the religious yeah. side apart but like some of those monologues are a little bit too like I get it I could I, I could feel I, I could absolutely feel um exactly what you're saying I absolutely do. I can't think of off the top of my head a monologue I really didn't enjoy watching. That being said, I, I, did, I did very yeah. much notice every time it was happening and going like, all right, you're, you're like, let me settle in. Let me, I tuned let out me for pause, a grab a drink because right, right. I'm going to be here for because, 15 minutes. Right, because the, 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 and, and maybe it's just that he asked me to pay attention too many times per episode because right. the thing about those monologues is you really have to catch every word mm. because there's inflection and there's, there's and the feel. The performances are amazing. Emotion. I feel it's, it's a detriment to me watching the per- actor's performance yeah. because like I get distracted at it's, that moment. Like, I do it. Your performance is amazing, but like... yeah. This is the only moment I have the chance to like go pee really fast. Right. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like the same problem I have with like Endgame Marvel, like end movie Marvel fights. It's like I've like like we're yeah. doing another one yeah. and they're always fun, but let me settle in, or right. maybe now is when I pee before the plot heart starts happening again. Yeah, right. you know, because you gave me a monologue flag. Yeah, like like just gonna. <laughs> so I am surprised we came into this talking about midnight mass. Oh I was worried that we would have very different opinion, uh, opinions across the board. It sounds like we all had a really good time, maybe for different reasons. Mm-hmm. We all disliked for a bunch of different reasons, but still it, loved it. It was yeah, not it was wasted. It was it. not wasted like, time. Yeah, still highly recommend yeah. despite yeah. anything bad. The, I say about watch it. Watch the fuck out of it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I did it over three days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I, yeah, yeah, I think I did three, three sittings. Three, three days. Yeah. yeah. Three it seems like about the right amount of time. It's seven episodes and, let me tell you, after episode yeah. five, you're gonna want to watch the rest of it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. the last two episodes, you kind of have to watch back to back. So, yeah. like because it's seven yeah, and it's an odd number, you kind of like maybe first three, like second yeah, you do two. the first three. Yeah. it's a good, it's a good working. Like watch it on, watch the first three on Thursday after work. Yeah, and then that, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And watch the, let, let the rest settle you into your weekend. Yeah. That being said, uh, if you need another Netflix recommendation, <laughs> obviously we are to. all talking about Squid Game on this show. Seriously, go watch Squid Game. Oh, yeah. I watched I'm that. not done with it yet, but I will be by the that next episode. My, that was my back-to-back with Midnight Mass, and let me tell you, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've watched Asian cinema, and I'm glad to be back, baby. It's Fuck so yeah. good. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to talk about any of the things we've been talking about on this episode, Tony, where can they find us? Head on over to goodnight.gg. It redirects you over to the Patreon page where you can join us for the uh, soon-to-be PT episode and the current episode that I forgot the title of and all of our other stuff. You can go over to info at goodnight.gg for email or gnggcast as Facebook and Twitter and I think we're, that's the end of social media at this point. <laughs> All right. That's everything that we've got for the show this week. Thank you for sticking with us. I hope that you enjoyed our episode about Midnight Mass. Again, if you want us to talk about anything in particular, please head over to our Patreon to do that. But until next week, for Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony. And I'm Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game.